0: This is Cruise Radio.
1: I cruise a lot, and I always sail with travel insurance. You should, too. Get a free quote today at TripInsurance.com.
2: Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Cruise Radio.
1: Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Norwegian Sky coming up this week. Also, staff writer Richard Sims on deck with Cruise News. Of course, Norwegian Sky has been uh, 1999, I think she's been around since. So uh, excited to get this nine-night review from Scott. But before we get to Scott, we'll check in with staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Sad news out of Viking Cruises.
2: It's always difficult reporting on a death like this. And one of the reasons it's so hard is because you know that there's a tight bond between crew members on a ship. And it's especially true when it's a smaller ship like this was. This was on the Viking Mars. They were docked in Scotland. And according to the website Cruise Center, the man was a 40-year-old Filipino national who fell while he was securing the gangway. He was airlifted to a hospital but um, later succumbed to his injuries, so he did not survive. Like I said, it took place while they were docked in Scotland, and Viking said that they're working with local authorities to ascertain the circumstances under which this accident happened. But, you know, it's not like I don't think there's any reason to think that it's anything more than that, just an awful, tragic accident. Um but they did have uh, a nice little ceremony on board, um, to so that, like I said, you know you, you you're you're working on a ship like that, you get very close, you live in tight quarters, you work together, and they were very very respectful of that. But yeah. uh, as always, we send our thoughts out to those who you know happened to um, either be on the ship or who worked on the ship at or were, knew the man who passed away. And NCL makes a return to one mid-Atlantic port. Baltimore's port, which is actually known as Port Maryland, is now going to be home to three cruise lines because already Carnival and Royal Caribbean had ships sailing from Bmore. And now NCL is going to be sending both the Norwegian sun and the Norwegian sky. The sky will be doing trips to New England and Canada in September, which is like, you know, perfect leaf peeping season. I've done it a couple times out of New York City, and it's just a really great time. It'll be fantastic sailing out of Boston. Um, Those looking to hit warmer climates will be able to jump on the Norwegian sun, which will... Um, start sailing out of Baltimore in November and will go to Bermuda and the Dominican Republic. Uh, one thing I that caught my attention was that in sharing this news on social media, Port Maryland dubbed itself, and I'm quoting here, the country's easiest to reach cruise terminal. Now, I mean, I'm not sure what criteria they're using there or if they're just, you know, saying it and saying, hey, yeah, challenge me. Go ahead. But (laughs) as Cruise Radio's resident skeptic, I'm, I'm definitely arching an eyebrow at that. I feel like there are probably cruise ports that are easier to get to than Baltimore. But maybe they mean if you happen to live on the docks in Baltimore. I don't know.
1: Well, I will say this. I have sailed out of Baltimore once. And it is like right off I ninety five. It's close to the airport, easy in, easy out. So maybe that's what they're saying.
2: Well, maybe you're right that maybe they really are, and my skepticism should be shut down. <laughs> so Royal Caribbean's pizza gate was settled last week, but now we have a we could have a barbecue gate. Well, it's good news for fans of Royal Caribbean's free pizza because it's going to stay free. Regular listeners will remember that a couple weeks back we talked about a survey that was being distributed to some – um, Royal Caribbean cruisers that asked a bunch of questions, and among them was, Hey, how would you feel if we took that free pizza and started charging for it? Shockingly, people were not excited about that idea. Needless to say, they got a lot of responses saying that would not please me. And in fact, something like twenty five percent of respondents when asked, if we started charging for the pizza, would you consider, like, going to another cruise line? We're like, yes. <laughs> so pe- people take their free pizzas seriously. Don't mess with free food. Anyway, the company immediately backpedaled and said, never fear. Free pizza is here to stay. Uh- least for now. But it turns out that, you know, they have been hiking the price of other food items, which, you know, they did much quieter and didn't actually announce that they might be thinking about doing very smartly. Uh, Royal Caribbean blog compared all Old menus to newer ones from several popular Caribbean, uh, Royal Caribbean restaurants, and found some, you know, fairly significant price increases, like, you know, wings going from $10.99 to $14.99, that kind of thing. Um, They were looking specifically at restaurants that already have fees as opposed to the pizza, which was free and they were thinking about charging. I mean, when you take a look at the old menus compared to the new menus, you can see the actual price, uh, you know, increases and do the math yourself, which I am not. Actually, capable of
1: well, the old prices are actually still, or as of the time of recording, on the Royal Caribbean website. So they have the signature combo, which is two cuts of meat. It used to be twelve dollars and forty nine cents. Plus, you get two sides and a dessert. Um, the new menu that someone actually posted in the Cruise Critic message board is sixteen ninety nine. So it went from twelve forty nine to sixteen ninety nine. And also the Pitmaster special that went from. Uh, it used to be nine ninety nine, and now it's fourteen ninety nine as well. So that meat must be hard to come
2: by these days. I guess you know what really—I mean—there are a lot of um, distribution issues we've all seen. it. our food prices at home have been more expensive. So obviously, the cruise lines, despite the fact they're buying in bulk, they are still paying more for the food, and that you know the, the, things like that are going to increase. What drives me crazy, and this is true whether it's food or gas or whatever, is you know 14.99 just call it $15. Mm-hmm. You know, stop with this 12 5, 12.49. It's 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 12.50. All right. So Galveston is preparing for 2 million Carnival cruisers annually. If you're anything like me, the only thing better than being on a cruise is planning a cruise and I'm constantly looking as far into the future as I can. I mean, like right now I have a cruise booked in October, I have another in January, I have another in uh, like May of next year, I'm already looking at 25 and. The good news is that if you are looking to cruise during the 25-26 season out of Galveston, Carnival has totally got you covered because they're already rolling out their itineraries for the three ships they're going to have there. They have the Dream and the Breeze. And then at the end of this year, their new flagship, the Jubilee, will debut out of there. You know, Jubilee, the one that has the big Texas star painted on the, on the front of it. Of course it's going to Galveston. Uh, Carnival will be offering a variety of itineraries, mostly between four and eight. Eight nights going to, like, Mexico and the Caribbean, with the three ships, that means that they will have about 40,000 guests sailing out of Galveston every single week. And, you know, that's not just good for Carnival, that's also good for the local economy, because while a lot of those people will be, you know, people in the immediate Galveston area, um, Carnival does a great job of, of of doing what they call drive-to ports that are, you know, they, they, whether it's Baltimore or New York or or Galveston that are places that they can draw from locally, they also bring a lot of people in from the surrounding states. And those people often will come in a day early and eat in the restaurants and stay in the hotels. So it also means a boost to the local economy. No matter how you slice it, it's good news for Galveston.
1: Yeah, I believe Christine Duffy said a couple of years ago that I think 75% of the population in America is within an eight-hour driving distance from a Carnival Cruise port.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's including people who are, like, in places in the middle of the country that I can't even name.
1: Also, one more Galveston announcement.
2: Yeah, um, so as we said, you know, this is where Carnival Jubilee will be heading for her inaugural season, and they just announced who the entertainment director and the cruise director will be on those ships. I know a lot of people follow cruise directors like groupies. I have never sailed with a ship, particularly because it has a a specific cruise director, but I do know people who have done exactly that. Um, And so just for those of you who want to know and who want to plan your future trips, Matthew Boyd is going to be the entertainment director and Kendall, quote, Byer Maguire is going to be the cruise director for the ship's uh, inaugural season. They both have a lot of experience. Kendall has been with Carnival since 2016, and Matthew's been uh, Matthew Boyd's been with them since uh, 2010. He was actually named Carnival's entertainment director of the year in 2023 so that is who will be heading up the fun squads on those ships if you're into you know either of them (laughs) make sure to book
1: you said you've never booked a cruise based on a cruise director but what about the cruise director on norwegian gem that time
2: i knew you were going there no no and i i will not (laughs) name them but yes i i have actually considered not doing a cruise (laughs) of particular cruise directors, but uh, no, no. I mean, I I am not someone who thinks that... I think cruise directors are incredibly important, and I think they do a great job of getting people involved in everything going around the ship if they are good at their job. Not all of them are created equal, but I don't think that I would necessarily um, um, you know, go on a specific cruise for a specific cruise director, although I will say, while I cannot remember his name, and that annoys me, um, Um, The cruise director I had on Celebrity Summit earlier this year was incredible, just was everywhere, seemed to know everyone on the ship by name, great personality, a whole lot of fun. And I apologize that I don't remember his name, but if you've cruised with him, you definitely took a picture with him because I think everybody on the ship at one point or another got a picture with him.
1: So Sea Trade Cruise News, an industry publication, is reporting that Disney's Asia ship has started construction. Now, give us a little context about this ship.
2: So it's been a while since we actually had an update on this story. But when Global Dream went bankrupt, they had a huge ship being built and you know, the hull was constructed. It was it was pretty far along in the process when they went bankrupt. Disney actually stepped in and bought the thing for around $44 million. Since then, the ship has, well, kind of been sitting around waiting for things to move forward and for everything to be settled. But now, it looks like construction is back on and the ship is going to debut in 2025 or possibly 2026. That's still a little iffy. Part of the delay might be because they have to do some major reconfiguring of the plans for this ship, because originally it was going to carry around 9,000 passengers, which is, I mean, a lot of people. And Disney is now reportedly scaling that back to a more reasonable 6,000 guests. No matter how you slice it, it'll be a big ship carrying a lot of people. It will be sailing out of Singapore it's moving forward now, and we should start, I would say in the next couple of months, we'll start getting more details about it and about how they are changing it. And, you know, when you when you figure that they're reducing from 9,000 passengers to 6,000 passengers, that theoretically frees up a lot more public space. So it'll be interesting to see what they actually plan for those public spaces. And I'm curious as to how a ship You know, a Disney ship in particular that is being designed specifically to say a lot of Singapore, how that will differ from some of their other ships.
1: I haven't been on social media a lot in this whole digital detox thing, but a lady at the front desk said, What's all the drama about with carnival cruise line and their gratuities i said i know the perfect guy to ask so what's it all about richard
2: okay so the carnival drama john Heald loves nothing more than to address drama when really i think he kind of shouldn't i think he addresses things that he should really maybe just let die but anyway someone reached out to him and told him that there was a rumor going around and honestly this rumor's been going around for years that When you pay your daily gratuities, you know that amount that they add on as a daily gratuity to every man, woman, and child on board. That that money was not going to the crew as tips on top of their income. It was not supplementing their income. It was their actual income. And there's a big difference there. Um, Like I said, this rumor has gone around for years. It's also not only gone around about Carnival, but Carnival happens to be the only line that really has a very, very public-facing brand ambassador who addresses these types of things. And he went um, online and he basically said, this is complete and total balderdash. The, uh, The money that is you know, put into the daily gratuity fund, the money that you pay as quote-unquote tips to the staff goes to the staff in addition to their actual salary. Now, no matter how many times they say this, there are going to be people who are skeptical about it, people who don't believe it and who think, you know, someone even said, you know, listen, John Heald's whole job is to basically put positive spin on things that aren't necessarily always positive. And they said – they basically questioned his honesty and said, like, you would tell us if that wasn't the case. And he said, yes, I would tell you. So how much people believe and don't believe really depends on how they feel about corporate spokespeople in general and John Heald in particular. But the other point that comes up a lot is, listen – these folks have contracts and their contracts are renewed every you know however often they they they're often like 6 to 9 months and then they take 3 months off if they were not happy they could very easily leave. If they were not happy, they could easily take jobs with other cruise lines. We all know all of the cruise lines are looking for more staff. They've been you know, struggling a bit in that department ever since they started returning after the shutdown. So if that was the case, if they felt that they were not being paid properly or that the tips were not coming to them, etc., they could always say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go start working for Norwegian Cruise Line instead. So, you know, that's that's sort of what the hubbub has been all about. I have always said that all of the cruise lines can avoid the endless discussions of gratuities and them going up and this, that, and the other thing if they would just roll it into the price of the cruise fare. Nobody would have to know how much it is. Nobody would have to know. But I also have a very good theory as to why... Uh, Carnival in particular does not do that, and I think it's because this is just my theory. This is not a fact, and don't go telling John Heald that I s- exposed the whole thing. But my theory is, Carnival is you know very big on on I don't want to say discount pricing, but 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 being you know a relatively affordable um, option in the cruise industry when you price them against you know say Norwegian or Princess or you know let alone one of the big lines. And were they to roll the price of the tips in, that would increase the price of the cruise. They would rather do basically what they do now, which is here is the price of the cruise. It's, let's say, $2,000. Oh, yeah, at the last step, you're going to add your gratuities, or you can do it later, which is going to add another, you know, depending on how big your family is, anywhere from 100 to 400 or 500 bucks. But it doesn't look like it when you first look at the price of the cruise. That's my theory as to why they don't do it. I don't know that that's true, but it makes sense to me. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I just want to weigh in because I've been doing this for about 15 years exclusively covering the cruise industry. You can't convince me for a single moment that the cruise lines are giving 100% of the gratuities directly to the crew. Because if that was the case... A lot of these crew wouldn't be making the same amount that they were making back in 2018 or 2019 uh, before the shutdown. And yet the gratuities keep going up 5, 10, 15 percent in some cases. As much as I like John, he's a good person, but he's also a corporate spokesperson and a corporate spokesperson has to pander to their audience.
2: You and I, I think, are often in the same boat so to speak, pun intended, when it comes to the, to cruising and that we love this industry. We we love everything about cruising, but we also are able to not be 100% cruise cheerleaders. And we are able to say, there are some things about this industry that we don't really like. Mm-hmm. And that is one of them.
1: Not to keep going on and on about this topic, but I was, remember back in June, I was in the Philippines for a week. I can tell you that like the average wage for the average worker in the Philippines is between $200 and 600 years. US dollars a month. So when they're coming on the ship, that's a pretty damn good living they're doing, especially when they're sending the money back home and putting their kids through private schools and building houses or paying off their houses. Like they're doing pretty well on the ship. And like you said, at the very start of this conversation, if they didn't want to be
2: there, they wouldn't. It's very true. So its I think there's a lot of sides to the argument, and I don't think it's the kind of conversation that you ever necessarily want to enter in with somebody who is really, really adamant on one side or the other, right. because you will, you will just wind up butting heads. You know, there are good things about it. There are bad things about it. That's just the way it is.
1: Inside the Cruise Industry with Richard Sims will return in just a moment. Thank you, Richard. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Doug. <laughs> Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net.
1: A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance.
0: You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry.
1: Scott and his family just returned from a nine-night cruise aboard Norwegian Sky. It sailed out of Port Miami down to the Caribbean. Scott joins us on the line. How you doing, Scott?
0: Doing great. Thanks for having me, Doug.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to hear about Norwegian Sky here. I... I know it got refurbished in late 2019. I sailed it just before the shutdown, one of my favorite Norwegian ships, just because it's a lot smaller and just, uh, it feels really intimate to me. So I want to uh, get your experience on the nine night sailing. So what we'll do here is get some pre cruise thoughts. Uh, What made you want to take this sailing? I know you live down in the South Florida area. So was there much thought behind this?
0: Well, we only had a few weeks window uh, to get a cruise in with the whole family. So we looked at all the, available cruises during that time, and we chose this one mainly because of the itinerary. We actually would have preferred a bigger ship, but this itinerary had three stops that we'd never been to, and uh, so that was kind of the deciding factor. And we had been on the sky twice before, and we we enjoyed it those uh, previous two times as well.
1: Awesome. Now, I know that Norwegian has that new terminal down there in Port Miami. Um, Was Sky there on a day where you could actually use the new terminal? And if so, how was embarkation there?
0: We did use the new terminal. Uh, Embarkation was very easy. Uh, We scheduled at 11.30 a.m., and it was not crowded at all. The only small glitch we ran into, we, we brought bottles of wine in our carry on and then they stopped us and we had to prove to them that we had the drink package so that took a little digging around <laughs> to for that proof but um the only glitch down there is the parking is kind of a mess with all that construction down mm. there uh they're they're tearing out some of the parking lots it looks like they're maybe they're putting up new garages so parking was the only difficult part of embarkation. Um, I would estimate that even with our little stop to uh, check the wine, it was still curbed to ship in about 15 minutes.
1: Okay, not not bad at all. So you make your way on board the ship. You mentioned you've been on it a few times. So what were your impressions of the ship this time around? Or what are your overall first impressions of Norwegian Sky?
0: The first impression is a little more difficult now because they're... uh, they don't lead you off right into the atrium anymore. They uh, lead you off into kind of down the breezeway, over to the elevators, and they're directing you to your muster station. So they want to make sure you're getting your muster station done before you do anything. But once we got that done, we thought it was very nice. I mean, it. it I think the uh, refurbishment did a really nice job. Uh, On it, and um, it's just small enough where you can get from your room to anywhere on the ship real quick. It was it was uh, great. I thought
1: awesome. So you mentioned you were on there with a family. So did y'all all all bunk up in one room, or did y'all have a different, a couple of different rooms? And what kind of staterooms did you have?
0: We had three ocean view rooms, and um, everything was great. Uh, The storage is a little tight. There's only one plug in the room. And no USB ports. So I did bring a three-plug adapter with uh, USB ports on it. And then, um, you know, the area... The little hallway heading to the door, wh- where you have the closet on the right and the uh, bathroom on the left. You know, if one person is standing in that area, you you open the closet door and somebody opens the bathroom door, and, and you know everything. There's a big collision. But uh, other than that, the room was just great and everything was clean, and we had great service.
1: Very good. So let's talk about the dining on board Norwegian Sky. We'll start up at the top at what do they call it? The Garden Cafe up there.
0: Yes, and uh, the buffet was good. It was solid. Uh, it, it was pretty much the same thing every day, but that's okay. And uh, a little crowded. They just use the um, starboard side for the buffet. And then uh, in the back, they have the uh, burger bar, which uh, has burgers and fries, really good fries, and uh, hot dogs and stuff. And so that was really good. And then on the uh, port side there, they have uh, La Cucina is open for pizza during the uh, lunch period as well.
1: Now, did you do any specialty restaurants on this nine-night cruise?
0: We did. We actually did all four, and uh, we we were really happy about it, too. They were all really great. Uh, so we did La Cucina. We did Cagney's, uh We did, I think it's called Pinnacle is the sushi, mm-hmm. and then La Bistro. You might be a little surprised, but my favorite of those four was La Cachina, mm-hmm. e- even over Cagney's. So uh, just really great. But Cagnes, you know, I had the prime rib, mm-hmm. and uh, that was really good. And then we had the uh, uh, lamb at La Bistro, and that was great as well. With these,
1: uh, the dining that you did there and you had the nine-night cruise, did you pick that as a, a perk or did you pay uh, like per night, per venue?
0: So we had on the the free at sea promotion we had one specialty dining and then uh we added on two more and so that was three and then we just uh we just paid the sushi place uh, a la carte so that's that's how we ended up doing it
1: the sushi place is up there uh, kind of the top of the ship uh far aft right like kind of r- right above the uh what is it playmakers or the sports bar back there whatever it's called
0: yeah it's right right directly adjacent from uh Cagney's that's it yeah
1: now how about as far as like I don't know Norwegian doesn't really have a, a main dining room but they do have main dining rooms they just call it not main dining rooms so uh, how was the food in there
0: we thought it was really solid and the service was really good too i thought in the in the main dining room we had i always end up getting the fish because it seems like I'm eating all day and then I want to have something uh, very lighter at night. But we had uh, really good food and uh, service was great. We were on the um, Norwegian breakaway last year and it was post-COVID. And I think they had a lot of issues with the um, staffing and things like that. And, and last year, you know, we had one and a half, two hour dinners. And, but this year, everything was really quick and uh service was just great all around
1: do they have the the local on there the the 24-hour venue
0: yeah so they had the local it's not 24 hours but i think it maybe closes at around two maybe Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of the go-to nighttime place for burgers and wings and uh things like that so that that was good as well
1: very nice so let's talk about the entertainment on this nine-night cruise uh how was the entertainment for you and the family
0: So we enjoyed it. Uh, There was a comedy magician. Uh, He was really good. There was also a comedian. And uh, we enjoyed him. He had, interestingly, he had a quote-unquote clean show, and then he had the, uh, you know, the adult show. And of course, the clean one just wasn't all that funny. But then, the the adult one everyone loved. But uh, they also had a uh, musical dance show, which featured '70s and '80s rock. And of course, that's my era, so I I enjoyed that. It's all the uh, '70s, '80s rock hits like queen and steve miller band and uh things like that they also had a uh 70s disco party with a live band so that was really cool and uh, also karaoke with a live band so that that, both those it was really interesting that they did with a live band my highlight i guess was the 80s party because there was uh You know, I have my uh, 80s band shirt and uh, gave them to the kids as well as the wife. And uh, so we we all were dressed up in our 80s band uh, shirts and, uh, you know, played all the... 80s style music which was great uh the last part was the uh glow party was uh was up on the pool deck and that was that was really fun as well
1: awesome what would you say what would you say the demographic was on this nine night sailing like if you had to just like spitball and just throw it out there what would you say
0: i would say it was more of a older crowd Mm. i guess you'd say maybe 40s. 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, You know, my my kids found some friends. They're in their 20s, but Mm -hmm. they they found some friends, but uh, not a big group of uh, 20-somethings on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess the longer cruise, too, tends to kind of weed out the probably under, what, 30 crowd or so?
0: Yeah, perhaps, yeah. yeah.
1: Very good. So let's talk about the sea days on board. You had uh, you were on board for nine nights. I'm sure you had a couple of sea days in there. How were they as far as crowds and congestion? And like, how do you feel Norwegian does with, um, or I guess I should say, how do you feel Norwegian Sky does with kind of um, giving you your personal space on a sea day?
0: Well, I don't think the crowds weren't bad. It's always an annoyance that every chair at the pool was taken by 9 a.m. and Three-quarters of them were empty. So, you know, that's that's always a pet peeve of a lot of people. You know, finding a chair at the pool is was almost impossible unless you got there really early. But um, as far as the crowds, it was no problem. We love sea days. We we enjoy the sea days because we just plot out on an itinerary, and we go around to the trivia, and the uh, they had a golf putting contest, and uh, art auctions, and, you know, just every hour on the hour, you pretty much have a, uh, some type of activity. So we just kind of moved from one thing to the other. And, um, they also have a great library, uh, and you can just sit and read and they got games and board games and stuff in there, uh, as well. So, um, I didn't think it was cr- that crowded at all. Uh, the service was good at the bars and everything. There was no, no issue with, uh, you know, where you had to wait long to, uh, get your drink or anything like that
1: and you had the drink package on this sailing you were saying at the top of the interview so with the drink package you basically are you select the drink package and then you pay the 20 percent gratuity on top of that before you sail
0: yeah they they really do hit you with with uh, a lot of things on norwegian but yeah we had to pay and the specialty dining you had to pay gratuity in advance as well So let's
1: talk about the ports of call that you hit on this nine-night cruise. What we'll do here is give us the port of call, give us a highlight, and then just move to the next one.
0: So we had five ports in a row. And then we had a sea C-Day, and then we had uh, Great Stirrup K. But the first uh, port was uh, Porta Plata, Dominican Republic. We'd been to Dominican Republic. This is our third time, but we hadn't been to this port. It was Taino Bay, um, and it was a really nice port. Um, they had lots of shops. They had, a, they had a lazy river. You could take an inner tube ride, and I think it was free. We didn't go on it. I think it was free. And then uh, I think at every stop, there were really aggressive people in the shops and stuff. But uh, anyways, we we weren't going to buy much at the shop there. But um, my wife and I took a taxi into downtown. The uh, taxi driver pretty much stays with you all day. And he, he sort of is like quasi-security. So we felt pretty safe. Uh, but they took us to the Amber Museum. Uh, which was very nice. He took you to several shops, uh, the Pink Street, of course, and the Umbrella Street. Uh, Everyone who's been there, I'm sure, has seen those. And then I mentioned to him that I was looking for a cigar, and he took me in a place into a uh, back room, and uh, this old guy is there uh, rolling cigars. And so he made a cigar right for me, right in front of me, and it was only $10, so I was really... Uh, impressed and happy about that. And uh, we ended up at a restaurant on the beach, you know, had a nice lunch and swam. Uh, Meantime, we had split the family on this stop. Uh, My daughter went with her two friends on an ATV excursion. The two others, my daughter and her friend, went on a dune buggy excursion, so they all uh, really enjoyed that. Our second stop was San Juan. That day, we lucked out because it was a little overcast, so it wasn't quite as hot, and we did a a Norwegian excursion. It was a bus tour of the city, and uh, the tour guide was excellent. We stopped at uh, the Row of Statues, which have all the presidents who visited San Juan. That was really cool. I think the highlight was the Castillo San Cristobal Fort. Uh, It was just truly incredible. We were able to walk around. It's huge, and, you know, there's tunnels and ramps and staircases and little crevices all over. And so we um, made our way around that for over an hour, and uh, just incredible in its size and amazing. You know, it was built in the 1700s, and uh, just amazing the structure they built there. The tour then took us to uh, just a short walk to the old town, San Juan, and we had a great lunch. Uh, we all had the empanadas, and uh, they were all great. Then uh, we just browsed the shops, and then the ship was only a few blocks from there. So then we were, uh, you know, got right back on the ship. Uh, then we went to St. Martin, and it was really hot that day. Um, we took a cab to just to Phillipsburg. We sat at a bar across from the beach. Uh, We took the taxi instead of the water taxi because my wife wanted to have her passport stamped. Uh, That was kind of a short ride near the port, and then they took us to the port from there. And then a lot of good shopping areas especially off the beaten path there, and uh, found a lot of good deals, uh, picked up a lot of souvenirs there. And uh, then we went to St. John's, and this was a very interesting day. You know, we got off the ship. There's a casino right there, right as you exit the ship. So I kind of checked that out. It really was just kind of opening, but so I didn't play or anything. But um, the taxi drivers were extremely aggressive trying to get your business. The so-called authorized taxi drivers wanted $35 per person per day to drive you around. But uh, we kind of passed them by and found some that were $25 a person. And uh, we chose a very nice lady. And then several other drivers, they were just yelling at us and saying, don't go with her and, uh, you know, do, go with me instead. And one even followed us all the way to her car. And it was, they were just extremely aggressive. But, anyways, we made the right choice because we had a great tour guide. Uh, she was very nice and took us about for about an hour long tour and even made a stop to uh, pick mangoes up off a tree. And uh, then we ended up at Darkwood Beach and uh, we went to a place called Auntie Cavell's. And you got to remember this name. They had the best mac and cheese that we've ever tasted, and they called it a macaroni pie. And we even asked them for the recipe, but they refused to give it to us. But everything was great there, and the prices were reasonable. We spent another couple hours at the beach. The kids did an inner tube ride behind a boat, and then um, she drove us about 20 minutes back to the port. Kind of off the be right off the main street there in uh, St John's, there was a real good ice cream place, too. I wish I remembered the name of it, but uh, great ice cream and then uh, so our fifth stop was St Thomas, and we were wiped out that day, and so we were just tired. Just got off, walked around the little shopping area, and then uh, the rest of the family got back on. I took a taxi over to downtown just to see downtown, which was really nice. We had been to St. Thomas the year before, and we'd taken the island tour, and so we just didn't see a need to do that again. Then uh, we had a sea day, and then we went to uh, Great Stirrup Cay, and this day was super hot, too, so Mm spent more time in the water than on the beach, but it was very nice. And they had a nice uh, lunch buffet set up and the drinks package did we work on the island. So that was nice as well.
1: What did you think about Darkwood, uh, Darkwood beach?
0: The beach was fine. It, it was, uh, you know, nothing special about the beach particularly. I mean, the food there was great across the street at the uh, restaurant we went to. If you wanted, they had uh Rides with the inner tubes and mm-hmm. the jet skis and things like that they yeah. uh, we d- we just had the kids just did the uh, inner tubes, but that was that was it
1: I was going to say that 's where uh, we went there, and that was my impression is well for one, the damn vendors wouldn 't leave you alone once you were sitting on the beach they wanted to sell you cigars shirts uh necklaces come ride the banana boat thing or uh, rent jet skis for whatever it was 75 dollars for 15 minutes like they just it was nonstop, one person after another and it, we finally just got up and left i mean I, I took my drone up got some pretty good drone footage from the beach but then it was just like it was miserable because they, every legit every five to ten minutes there was a new vendor trying to sell us something they had around their neck
0: yeah, it w- there was some of that. And then St. Martin was that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were pretty relentless. Our drivers did tell us that the reason they were so aggressive was that it was kind of their slow season and there hadn't been that many cruise ships uh, there. And so they're all just fighting for your business because it's just their slow season.
1: Yeah, but this is the thing, though, right? It's like you're representing your island. And when you act like that, you're putting a bad taste in not only the person you're acting like that to's mouth, but people that are walking by you. They're going to see the same thing. And, like, why? Like, and it could turn them off from even going to the island again, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so, yeah, but I guess. uh, Yeah, we just sort of of said no thanks and ignored them.
1: Yeah, that's what you have to do. Luckily, when I walk by, they think I'm crew, so they, they don't bother me. So when you're on the private island, Great Stirrup, and you mentioned you were in the water quite a bit, how was the like the food options on there? And do they open up that, um, that uh, I guess, the area where the spa is and where the haven guests would go on the other ships? Do they open that up when uh, a small ship like Norwegian Sky comes in?
0: Actually, I don't even know the answer to that. Okay. Um, yeah, the buffet there was... Pretty much the same as the rear-of-the-ship burger buffet. Mm-hmm. So it had the burgers and the hot dogs and... um you know, some pasta and salads and things like that. So, I mean, I, how do you go wrong with burgers and fries? That's so, true. Now, uh,
1: was there a food truck on there? Like when we were there just before the shutdown, like literally a month before the shutdown, they had a, it was almost like a, a taco type food truck there. It was all complimentary offerings, but it was, um, it was kind of a little bit, you know where that swing is? You can sit and get the picture of the ship behind you right there at the point where that, I think Bacardi bar is. It was right around there. Uh-huh. Did you notice that?
0: If they had it, I didn't notice it. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm not really 100% on that. Okay, fair enough.
1: How was the tendering back and forth? Uh, they, is it pretty organized? I know the ship is pretty small.
0: So I'll go back to last year because when we were on the breakaway last year, uh, the tendering process was awful. We waited a long time to get on, and then we waited a long time to dock back at the ship. This year was way better. They do have tops on the uh, upper level now on Mm. these uh, tender boats, which is great because the the sun is so bad. So, yeah, uh, it was much better. uh, And the waits were not that long. And so.
1: Yeah, definitely. I never have you been to the island with more than one ship?
0: Yeah. Last year we were on. We were on the breakaway and there was another ship there as well. So yes. that was, that, that probably was part of the problem with the tender last year. Yeah,
1: no, I couldn't imagine that. Um, so you make your way back to Port Miami. How was the debark process? And are they using what is it, the, the facial scanning to get off the ship there?
0: Yes. The debark wasn't too bad, um, it was a bit of a line. We did the checking bags the night before that always makes it a little tougher. You wait for your group to be called. And then even then you get a little, kind of a long line. And, and uh, even with the facial scanning, it still takes a while. And so the other issue was that I was parked a little ways away. We, we came in at a different port, came in an E or something, and we had left on B. They had said they were going to have shuttles to get you back to your car, but I just decided I was just going to walk back and bring the car back and pick everybody up. But that was a bit of a hike. It wasn't too bad, debarkation. It wasn't as good as embarkation, but it it wasn't terrible.
1: Gotcha. You're you're in West Palm. How far is that from the port?
0: Uh, Well, we'll call it an hour and a half. Gotcha. I mean, Miami, especially coming in, I mean, we've been cruising out of there for 15 years or more, and... There's been construction, like, in the same area for yeah. all those 15 years. It's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but going back is, is a lot easier. And so it's a little under an hour and a half. Not a bad drive at all.
1: It's like uh, I-4 in Orlando, the same construction since the 90s, at least.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just insane. Every time we come, we, we sort of half expect that that freeway is going to be done. But it never is.
1: Where your cabin was located, did you have any noise issues?
0: No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, we were front center starboard side, uh, fairly near the elevators, which was good, and so we were fairly near the atrium too so I thought it was a perfect location. Um, we did have some running up and down the halls, kids and stuff one night, maybe midnight or something like that it wasn't wasn't terrible, but uh that location with that size ship I mean if i you can go to anywhere on the ship in Five minutes or less, which was great, and the the elevators were all fine. Uh, Everything was perfect. I thought.
1: How was the casino as far as like the smoke situation in and around it?
0: So they had uh, they made regular announcements. I mean, maybe it was even on a loop. I don't know, but uh, you know, probably seemed like every ten minutes they said had an announcement saying smoking only for active gamblers. And so uh, they were really trying to be strict on people just hanging out and smoking. So it did, didn't seem like a bad problem. The way it's set up, there's a little hallway from the casino leading to the atrium. So I, I don't think there was an, any issue with it leaking out into the atrium either. So um, not bad at all.
1: I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Now, I don't know if you're a smoker or not, but like with the... Casino and like the announcements they were making on board. And it kind of seems like you can't tell if the cruise lines were using the shutdown as an excuse to say you can't smoke in here or if. If actually guests themselves are filling out them guest satisfaction surveys and saying the casino is just too smoky, what are your thoughts on that
0: i don't know I don't know the answer to that i mean i'm i I smoke a cigar occasionally sure but i'm not a I'm not a smoker, but yeah maybe maybe that's their way of uh, making it harder on the smokers uh they're actually There was only one designated smoking area on the whole ship, and that was the bar up above the pool. And so uh, literally, that was the only smoking area. And then I guess one day it was raining, and so they moved it to maybe a different area, but I'm not sure exactly where. But um, anyways, it seems like they're really trying hard to discourage the smoking, definitely.
1: I do like that Norwegian actually gives you a physical menu at the specialty restaurants and not just saying, scan the QR code.
0: Yes, I'm in my 50s and, you know, the the whole QR code thing and putting on reading glasses and (laughs) squinting to see on my phone or something. I'm just not that wild about that. So, Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that.
1: I, I hear you there. So any first time tips to offer anyone sailing Norwegian Sky?
0: Well, number one is uh get one of those three plug adapters. I think you can get them for like five or ten bucks, and that plugs in and gives you three plugs for your one and uh, so that gives you a little more flexibility in the room. Um, I use a CPAP, so I used a extension cord uh, I needed an extension cord, which I packed with it, which was handy as well and Then I would say just book towards the center of the ship and maybe maybe just uh we were probably you know, 10 staterooms down from the elevators. Where we didn't have the noise issue, but yeah, you can just get around anywhere on the ship mm-hmm. uh, very easily. So I did have one more pet peeve, and you'll you'll enjoy this because I think this was one of your hacks that I've heard you say before. But um, I went up to you know I use the gym every day, and I went in there and asked where the sauna and the shower were because uh, you know you get a bigger shower up there in the gym, and they said, oh, to use the sauna and the shower, it's twenty dollars a day. Whoa, or 120 dollars for the trip, and I just thought that was just terrible. I <laughs> I was kind of turned off about that, so I obviously I didn't purchase that. But uh, yeah, I was I was looking forward to you know sauna and and, and uh, the bigger shower up in the gym area. So
1: doesn't Norwegian Sky doesn't even have a thermal suite like at all? Do they?
0: No, I don't believe so. No, no, that's, but that's... they. They have the gym is kind of on one side and then they have the spa, which is where they do the nails and the massages and things. And I guess that's where the shower and the sauna is because they have a person at a desk there. And so you can't get through basically without, uh, you know, stopping at the desk.
1: That's interesting. Little, uh, another, another example of some upcharging there for the guests.
0: Yes, yeah, for sure. That's, that's yeah. what I'll we'll say.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you?
0: Well, I think the biggest highlight is San Juan and the fort there. It was just, it was just incredible. I mean, uh, to be built, you know over 300 years ago and, uh, just to be such a huge structure and everything. And we just really loved that. And then the, uh, the old town area. So, uh, San Juan was definitely the, uh, definitely the highlight for us.
1: I, I got a kick out of when you were, uh, in the, in Porta Plata in the DR there, and you, you asked for the cigar and the guy took you back to a room. It sounded like very like, uh, old school Vegas or mafia style.
0: It kind of actually kind of seemed like that. It was yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just an old guy. Uh, yeah. It reminded awesome. me of a Seinfeld episode where right. uh, uh, Poppy's uncle, uh, you know, took him back to uh, Poppy's uncle to uh, find a uh, hotel in, uh, in Italy or something. Yeah. yeah, that's
1: awesome. Well, we've been talking with right. Scott about his nine-night sailing on board Norwegian Sky out of Port Miami. Scott, as always, good talking to you, my friend, and thanks for the review.
0: Great. Thank you. All
2: right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net.
1: I'm your announcer.